The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ah yes, that moment you realise you're walking among giants. Enjoy the perks of a university ranked in the top 300 in the world. Study online, on campus or both. Massey University. Success from a thousand little moments. To find out more, visit massey.ac.nz. Without foresight or vision, the people will be lost. Kia ora koutou, I'm Stacey Morrison. No mai, haere mai, welcome to Conversations That Count, Ngā Kōrero Whaitake, a thought-provoking series brought to you by Massey University and the spin-off. No mai, haere mai, and welcome back to Conversations That Count, Ngā Kōrero Whaitake. This is the fourth and final episode of our third season, and today we're having a very special kōrero about te reo Māori. We'll look at what's being done to revitalise and increase access to reo learning, but also examine some of the existing and ongoing barriers to reo acquisition and to Māori learners. What are they? What are the historical and contemporary reasons for them, and how can we collectively move past them? He kōrero whaitake kai te haere, an amazing kōrero is on its way. I'm your host, Stacey Morrison, and as always, today we have two fantastic guests. They are education thought leaders. From Massey University, we're joined by Terina Warren. Terina is a senior lecturer from Massey's Te Putahi Atoi School of Māori Studies, where she teaches and does amazing research in the area of Māori education. Also joining us today is Rawiri Wright. Rawiri Wright is Tumuaki or Principal at Te Kura Kaupapa Māori o Ngā Mokupuna in Te Whanganui Atara in Wellington and also co-chair of Te Rūranganui o Ngā Kura Kaupapa Māori o Aotearoa, the National Organisation for Kura Kaupapa. But really the way we do things is to turn it over to you two to introduce yourselves as you'd like to. Uh, tēnā koe te rangatira, Rawiri. Uh, tēnā kūta katoko, Rawiri Wright, pēngua. Um, he uri no... あ、ティラウカゴ、カオカオロイパテテレ、あ、ティラワワカ、メガティカフムルキトワイロ。アイテナワコティトムワキオトコルカトパマリオンガモコプナ、カイトポコティカ、アクワホキテ、トムワキタ
Uh, at some point, hopefully, we will get to the point where we can all understand and engage in te reo Māori. So if we start to look at where we've come, and this has been 50 years since the petition to bring te reo Māori into our schools, Terina, could you give us a current scape as you see it of in 40 years, say, of, of kura kaupapa in particular and, and Māori education being in schools, where are we at? How do you describe it? Oh, dear. Um, <laughs> I suppose my description would have to start pre, um, you know, pre the last 50 years. So when our tūpuna first sought education pathways for tamariki, um, and it was actually Rawari who put me onto this um, fact that we were, our tūpuna were sending tamariki to school in New South Wales uh, to learn with Samuel Marsden uh, before the um, establishment of, of mission schools in Aotearoa. And um, so I, I think our quest for knowledge, our quest to grow our understanding has always, is a fundamental um, part of who we are as Māori. So the phrase ki te whaiao, ki te is a never-ending cycle and a never-ending quest that we have to enhance our understanding of the world in which we live. And so in the early contact stages, this was one of those pathways to send tamariki to school in New South Wales with Samuel Marsden. Following that was an invitation to missionaries to come to Aotearoa and subsequently establish schools, and that became another pathway by which we enriched our understanding of the world in which we lived in, and particularly during those times, uh, one of the focuses as well was not only reading and writing, which was originally in Te Reo Māori, and we know that the first um, publication in Te Reo Māori was, of course, the Bible, um, from our mission schools, but also the expansion of our understanding around agricultural um, aspects mm. and our economic uh, development, our economic survival, but also that leading into that during the 1820s and 1830s, Māori were the major exporters of the South Pacific. So we grew on our understanding of an agricultural system and our ability to provide kai and other resources to our incoming manuhiri and also the other manuhiri that were joining Australia. So we grew and expanded our understanding of these networks. So I think education is a foundation of who we are as a people and um, that obviously had led on to the establishment of mission schools, the uptake of reading and writing, and the Western curriculum as mm. we understand it and how that developed. And then, of course, what happened is that due to legislation and, of course, a, a large population change um, in terms of our incoming manuhiri, I think maybe around 700,000 manuhiri we had received by 1890. So um, there was a huge change in dynamic around Te Reo Māori um, and its use and application in, in our typical living styles. And, of course, our population by that time had uh, receded quite a lot, I think around forty to 50,000 by um, that same time. So we were at a number imbalance, which, of course, impacted the, the power imbalance of which language was being spoken. The language that was spoken was also supported by the legislation that had been 
introduced and enforced uh, by our mm. settler government at the time. So um, we have a number of legislations that we came through as well. The Native Trust Ordinance in 1844, which provided land to mission schools because, of course, at that time we wanted to learn and, and establish these schools. But, of course, that was um, a little bit overturned by um, subsequent legislation, which eventually introduced um, the English language into our schooling system and enforced it as the only language to be enforced in our education system because, of course, mission schools were in Te Reo Māori. And then by 1880 Native Schools Code, Te Reo Māori was being discouraged, Māori beliefs and practices were being discouraged. And then 27 years later with the Tohunga Suppression Act, of course, that limited our ability and our access to our experts, our expert leaders in education and knowledge systems. Um, and so I think from that time, it set a really, I think one of your words was a systemic barrier mm. for te reo Māori and a particular, I think, a, a particular view of how Māori education and how te reo Māori then become viewed was set during those during those early times. And uh, Dr. Peter Mahana, he wrote a PhD on Māori privilege and the idea of Māori privilege. And it's still a thing that we, we hear today, oh, that's Māori privilege, this is about Māori privilege. But the genesis of that idea was from early settlers wanting Māori land and Māori resource. So the catch cry of the time was Māori are privileged, Māori are privileged. And of course, over 150 years later, that catch cry still carries those same connotations that it did from that time, but we very much are not privileged. We very much do not have our own te reo Māori, our tikanga Māori um, complete belief system still intact. So there's kind of an imbalance between what we hear and what we think about Māori education and te reo Māori and, of course, what the reality is, and that was set from those very early institutional processes, institutional uh, barriers to us developing um, as a people. Tēnā koe. And thank you for reframing what education is, what mātauranga is, because rāwari, wānanga and ways of learning always existed for us, as Terina points out. That is very much core in our existence, ne? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it weren't for Wānanga, we wouldn't have arrived in Aotearoa. It was no mistake. It was uh, not a chance sailing. It was a deliberate act. Um, and they used, you know, in terms of, um, you know, some of the barriers, some of the challenges, uh, Stacey, um, and just following on from what Terina said, putting that all together is that what I believe is the significant, most significant single barrier is us as Māori becoming aware of what actually happened to us. Of everything that happened to us. Because Parker will never understand the gravity, the enormity of the loss. Parker will never understand because they were the, uh, the protagonists and uh, the significant recipients of colonisation and colonialization colonization of the land colonialization of the the maori ideologies uh, all those sorts of things and it was 
it has been so successful. And um, until more of us, um, and that's the beauty of having this conversation in English today, because, um, you know, if we're saying it in Māori, only those who understand Māori will, will get it. And and that's like preaching to the converted. So, mm. um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be talking to the, hopefully the hundreds and thousands of our brethren who, who will listen to this um, and to say, you know, come on now, Wama, be brave, take a step, find out what actually happened to us. Um, because our arrival in Aotearoa was no mistake, it was no accident, mm. but what happened to us was also no accident. It mm. was a, a deliberate and a systemic, systematic and deliberate acts of uh, legislation over many, many years um, that has led to us being subjugated, being oppressed, and people say, oh, come on, man, get over yourself. Well, it's not about getting over ourselves. It's become. It's about becoming aware of what happened to us. You know, how come we are so prevalent in, in the prison system? How come we are so uh, prevalent in the negative health statistics? How come we are so prevalent in the poverty statistics? Yeah, and you just have to, and all of these statistics, um, they are a roadmap to understanding what has happened to us as a people. And until we take the chance um, to find out exactly what happened to us, you know, I talk about te whakataia watanga, te whakariwaitanga, you know, the making us becoming like potatoes, you know, and they said, ah, that was all in the past, you know, but, you know, we still haven't learned. We still haven't learned from the illness of the past. We still haven't um, learned about how deep the hurt, how deep the loss went with us. And and, and particularly, if I was to pick on one thing in particular, it is our spirituality Mm. as a people mm. and if we could begin to return the ngako maori the mana maori the modi maori with the wairua maori those aspects of spirituality to us as a people i think that um so much more would follow a lot more quickly yeah, yeah. and yet we have to relearn uh, the brilliance of what always existed in Te Ao Māori. And, and so I know growing up, I, I've been robbed of the understanding of the brilliance of my ancestors and yeah. yet being taught that they just accidentally landed here. And that that propagation of inferiority, te rinane, that's what an education system does. And this is the colonial playbook around the world, isn't it? You rob Indigenous peoples of their language so that they believe they're inferior. How do we describe that? Because Rawadi's just said, we've got to lean into this reality of what has happened. Yeah, I think if you look at the process of colonisation around the world, particularly with Indigenous peoples, and where settler colonies were established, Canada, America, Australia, and Aotearoa, New Zealand, the playbook 
was the same. And of course, what you do initially is you undermine education systems and you undermine knowledge systems, philosophies and ideologies. And that pretty much is the core of a culture of a nation. And so when you can de-establish or destabilize that particular element of a culture and a civilization, then then it makes all of, of the other processes a lot easier and a lot smoother for the taking over of those people when they can forget who they are and where and how they are connected to the lands that are being stolen from them then it makes the colonial project a lot smoother in terms of of how they come to um, overtake us and I think that has been one of the beauties of the revitalization of Te Reo Māori so through Te Kohanga Reo um, in the 80s And the work around the petition during the 70s also coincided with the development of early thinking for um, Te Wānanga o Raukawa and their philosophy, Whakatupuranga Ruamano, so to grow a new generation for the new millennium, which focused um, a lot on Te Reo Māori and, of course, those of us who have been students at at Wānanga o Raukawa know that you must do reo and you must do hapu and iwi studies because it's part of that remembering who we are, remembering our brilliance, and that one of the things that I have seen through looking at the process of education and and the history of education in Aotearoa is that the revitalisation of the language is just as much or probably more importantly about the revitalization of the Māori spirit mm. and the revitalization of the wairua and the Modi associated to that. And I think that has been one of the critical parts that te reo Māori is the vehicle by which we revitalize who we are um, as a people. And I think that's a really important part to remember that in revitalising our language, um, it was more about revitalising the spirit of us as a people. Right. And as Sir James Henare said, uh, te reo te Māori o te mana Māori. So in te reo Māori, we have the life force of mana for Māori. So Rawari, when people look to you and, and look to kura kaupapa, are the structures now set so that tamariki Māori can have a Māori education experience? Uh, is the autonomy there now? The structure is in place, but the autonomy is what we continue to uh, fight for with the, doesn't matter what flavour the government is, um, that is still the next significant, uh, the most significant next step. And that is, but I just want to pick up a little bit on what um, Terina was saying about, you know, there are five pillars of colonization, church, education, parliament, the media. That's why it was called the fourth estate. Ah, kia ora. Right? And, of course, the militia. And so, ngā pau o te whaka noho noho whenua, pillars of colonization. But, um, and that's what so many of us are now working on, is that, you know, and we're trying to use these same pau in order to um, emancipate ourselves and to become more Māori. And um, so you look at the, the different uh, efforts within, doesn't, again, it, I don't think it really matters what, uh, what are the, the major um, 
faith you look at, whether whether it's Anglicanism or Catholicism, um, there have been significant moves in there to Māori-fi, that part of the belief. Certainly in education, as Tirina said, Kōangareo, Kūrakaupuk Māori, the recent growth of Kūra'āiwi, the Wānanga structures, certainly what's happening in the media. You know, would we be having this discussion today if it wasn't for the developments of Māori, Māori production houses and companies and those sorts of things? And they're doing amazing stuff, you know. And prior to um, prior to the petition, um, none of this was even thought of, you know. So um, it's fantastic. And, of course, in terms of the militia, at least we now, you know, if, if there was a positive, and the statistics is that we uh, we are significantly represented in the um, in the armed forces. Mm. So, okay, getting back, the structures are in place for Tamariki to have um, a, a total education in Māori, with um, you know being derived from Māori Māori. But we also have in Tamariki area um, and as much as it's really important to locate them uh, within their own Māori world, within their own hapu, whānau, iwi, etc., it's also important that they are, you know, outwardly looking. Um, so we say that we are culturally located but future-focused. Mm. And um, and the um, authority and autonomy those are the two aspects there. And that's why we continue to ask for a, um, some are saying a, a Māori education authority. Um, we, and I say we, I'm talking about Te Matakahuki, which is a um, amalgamation of Kohangareo, Papa Māori, Kura Aiwi, and the Wānanga structures. Um, and we've come together under the name, under the umbrella of Te Matakahuki. And what we're saying We've refined that a little bit to say that there ought to be a a Maori a Kopapa Maori education uh, authority. So because we, it's distinct, because you know you can go to any of mainstream schools and you can get you can do language, you can do aspects of tikanga, you can do kapahaka, you can do whatever else, um, but it's in a Pākehā framework. Mm. So that happens over there in its own style and its own way. Um, but we're saying if you want uh, a tuturu uh, Māori, you know, which really explores and enables a person to be uh, to be their Māori self, then here is the pathway. And that is the pathway because the state, it says that it has responsibility for the education of all Tamari, okay, so be it. Uh, but their, their preference and um, this is over years, 200 years now, um, is that, you know, they've really only looked after what we now say, what we now call the Kura Aunua. Um, and what happens over there. And fine, let them do that. But let us have authority over what happens in this part of the education system. And if anybody's thinking that this is uh, separatist, it's not. It's parallel. Well, it's interesting because actually... The separatist, uh, separatist Act is actually calling one mainstream 
and then othering the other stream. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like I, I say English medium education yeah. rather than mainstream yeah. uh, because immediately you're saying, well, here's the one that mainly is important and then here's the Māori one. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if I can just compliment you and, and, and not the wahi kotahi ingeri, uh, but just to compliment your tamariki, Dawiri, are an example of future creators you know they're building futures and they are amazing examples of their dexterity across culture as well as being Maori akene really Maori in their existence so I know that this is the potential that we have Terina but when we Maoriify education as Rawiri said it's not always at an equal uh, standing point because if I think about how Te Reo Maori is spoken about it's People are told this is not an academic subject. You can't combine some subjects with Te Reo Māori. The threads aren't always there. The courses sometimes Te Reo Māori clashes in NCA with, uh, say, calculus, making an assumption that a child who takes one won't take the other. What are some of those structural issues that you see are still barriers for Te Reo Māori learners? Well, where do I start? Um, (laughs) I think most definitely there are those immediate issues that we see, clashes in timetabling, the undervaluing of te reo Māori as an academic subject. And for anybody who has ever tried to piece their whakapapa together, you will see that as more than an academic uh, exercise. (laughs) Yeah. and scientific, and, oh, and all and all the ifics, because sometimes it still blows my mind when I hear about different nuances in, in the whakapapa and, and, and how they're linked. Mm. But it's the continual undervaluing of Te Reo Māori as a language, which is reflective of the undervaluing of who we are as a people, which is embedded and it comes from those early legislations and the early attitude of colonisers and the colonial settlers to remove us from one, our land, but also from our language and from our culture as a people. Because if we look at some of the other systemic barriers that occur, not only in the clashes and timetabling, but even at university level, we have that mm-hmm. same thing. Do I turn up to my pōhiri, which is on the at the same time as my first lecture, when I would like to seek access to Te Reo Māori services, are they available to me? Well, they're not. And this is one of the issues that that we're continually faced with, or that teachers, uh, primary teachers in particular, tell us all the time, the extra, the Māori privilege funding, the Māori factor funding that gets that gets given to schools in order to support better pathways for learning for Māori children, often that resource is being co-opted by the school and redirected in a way that the school feels um, is more necessary. I hear teachers talking about, for example, getting some guitars, getting some Mm. rugby balls and basketballs because that's what Māori children use. Well, Māori children also use beakers and and Bunsen burners. Māori children also use protractors and scientific calculators. So there's still this underlying attitude of devaluing who we are um, as a people. And and it all kind of hinges on some of that old, old attitude, those early colonial attitudes towards us as a people. But we find this in all Indigenous 
places where there are um, early colonial settlers on those lands. You look at Australia, um, you know, it is the same there. America with our with our Native American relations that, that live there and in Canada, Hawaii, it's the same underlying thing that when in order for colonisation to remove a people, they must also impact on, on their culture and on, on their language. But I think some of the other ongoing barriers is when we get to this place of, like you say, the mainstream English language, and it has to be for everybody's good. We get to a place where we need to have, this is about public good and it must be good for all all students, it must be good for all people. And if we identify that this is particularly focused on Māori students or on the Māori language, then it becomes separatist. And I think that that is an issue that we face as well, this idea that everything has to be beneficial for all people. And if we look at things like equity... To be justified. Yeah, to mm. be justified. And if we look at things like equity um, and equal outcomes and equality of outcomes in education then of course we see they must be different because every child's learning pathway is different. Every child's learning capacity and ability is different. And so our structures must be able to um, cope with and change with those so that every child can learn to the fullest of their potential. And so for some people, it might be rocket science. For other people, it might be about business development. And for some children, it might be about producing the next Macy Ricker or Rob Ruha or excellence in terms of, of musical talent and musical ability. So not every child, I think it, it's very Western for us to look at a situation and just think, oh, they all have to fit into this box. But we know that as Māori, we are very diverse and we have diverse needs, just as we have diverse talents. And the way in which we set about developing and nurturing those different talents has to be different um, for each person, for each child. And of course, what we see now in each different kind of learning system, whether that's kura kaupapa, kura a, iwi, kōhangareo, placed in different places, they all have to have their own unique approach um, for the children and the learners that, that they are catering for. So I think that's another level that our government, our ministries, our institutions cannot cater for diversity in the way that we do um, naturally as, as Māori. Mm. So I was going to talk about the interface at a different level at Farewananga. Once we get to universities, Dawiri, we know that uh, students have come from Kurakaupapa and Farikura that transition to university can be hard because of the nature of the university. What have you seen and what would you like to see? Oh, absolutely. The, um, and this is what really upsets me about the, the um, um, universities around the country is that, um, to my knowledge, there is only one program that a student can do entirely in Māori from year one to year three, and it is the teacher training course that Tarina and others look after at Massey University. Yeah, there, even the um, uh, Tikanga Māori or the Mātauranga Māori programs that are delivered uh, are not delivered entirely in 
Māori. They all want our students, and yet they have done nothing to put programs in place that are going to help them to enhance what they have learned so far. And and that's why so many, a significant number of our kids do not do well in year one in the Pākehā universities. It's not because they're not able. That's the thing. They are more than capable of doing it, but it is the culture shock Mm. of, um, of what they are confronted with um, I was talking to a former, um, one of our brokura, our graduates, um, just last week, and um, he never experienced racism until he got to university, you know. And and maybe is that our fault? Is that our fault as a kura that we haven't put them into positions where they're, you know, have we nurtured them too much? And uh, I don't believe that we need to be second-guessing ourselves on that. I don't believe that we have nurtured them too much. I don't believe that we have given them too much love. But because what what that support helps them to see is that um, even if they do fall over in the first year, um, at least they have, you know, they've got the resilience to come back up. They might then take another a, a gap, another gap year and go and do something else. But then if some of the statistics that I've seen recently is that in terms of returning students, a number of you know, Māori students go back. They go in their first year, may not do very well, go and do something else for a year or a little bit more, but eventually they go back and finish. And that's the resilience. You know? mm. But that also tells us that the universities um, need to be doing more, not so prevalent in the technical institutes, you know, mm, because they seem to have better um, support systems in place there for, for students. Um, but really noticeable in, in the universities, in the, in the Pākehā universities. That's an interesting observation about whether it's because there's a vocational focus usually with Kuratini, you know, like you're saying. But, I mean, I see, what I also see is a lot of Māori staff in universities around the country trying to carry the load, trying to make it better. Yeah. Uh, but actually this the, it's the structures that will make it harder it's for the our... institution yeah, yeah yeah it's it's the institutional stuff that needs to change because there there are some fantastic people in you know some of our people and um you know some of the some of the leading brains of of maori do are scattered throughout the universities of the country and they're doing amazing work but um each institution needs to be doing more in order to um, make themselves uh, more, uh, not just attractive, but more pliable and amenable to be helping um, not just Māori students, but Pacifica students also, um, students of other cultures in more meaningful ways. That's the challenge for them. Anna. We only have like about a, only 6% of Māori have um, university entrants. And so what we see is that there's a small number of Māori coming through secondary schools with the qualification to go straight into universities, 6%. And so what we see um, at at one of the um, lower levels is that at um, NCA level three, for example, the Māori pass rate is around 65%. So only 65% of Māori are passing at that level. But um, worse than that, only those amount of Māori that have managed to hang on 
to the uni- mm. to the secondary school system to the final year of secondary school. And then we get these numbers. But if we look at those numbers, a national pass rate for Māori and secondary schools, and when we put that alongside the pass rates that are coming out of Kurukaupapa Māori, we can see that Kurukaupapa Māori are around 90% pass rate. So, and, and with a less of a drop-off. And so what that says to me, and, and I've looked at these numbers, I look at these numbers every year to see what are our national pass rates at secondary schools for our tamariki and what do they look like alongside Kura Kaupapa Māori, uh, Kura Aiwi, and also Māori boarding schools. They, they don't change the, the statistical range and they're still only around 5% of our tamariki at these schools. But what we see is that they're outperforming some of the high decile, high schools in the country, and they are te reo Māori-based schooling options. And so you've got to wonder, what are these schools doing in order to be sites of success for tamariki Māori that the rest of the schools are not doing? Our English medium schools, mainstream English language options for secondary schooling what what are kura doing that these other ones are not doing? And I remember back to the 90s when there was this first kind of development of the brain drain and Dr Peter Sharples at the time, he was saying, if we're so concerned about our brain drain, about our, our educated people leaving, why don't we just create more educated people that might stay at home. And he indicated then in the 90s that perhaps we should be looking at the process of kura and the structures of kura in order to create more educational success across the board, not just for Māori, but for all people. What are they doing as a successful structure of education? What is happening there that is not happening in in these other places? And of course, that was the 90s. So 30 odd years ago, he was asking these questions and we still, as a nation, have not come to terms with the fact that these schooling options are preparing our children better in the education forum than any other system and yet we still deny support, whether that be financial support, whether that be building support, we still deny those successful structures the adequate support in order to create more educational success for all tamariki. So I think we have to have that kind of hard reflection on what we're doing as a nation and why is it that we continue to um, pretend that these sites of education success do not exist in this country and why we continue to undervalue and undersell those educational structures that are completely successful. Because then if you look at going into university, what we see is a small number of Māori coming in and we see university systems being ill-equipped in order to cater for that few percentage. So I always talk in university, I look at Māori students as being absolute taonga because they are the 6% who jumped through all the flaming hoops of secondary school (laughs) in order to get to this privileged position of being able to come to a university. And they absolutely deserve all of our support that we can give them at a um, university level. If they've managed to survive a really horrific system thus far, 
by themselves with them and their whānau, the least we can do at a university is to extend our hand and say, actually, I'm going to help you through the rest of this journey because we also know only 4% of Māori will end up with a bachelor's degree, 2% with a postgraduate degree and 1% with a doctoral degree. So at every step along the way, they are becoming more and more unique, kind of like little unicorns, if you were, mm. like little patupaira mm. here that just seem to get through the slimmest of gaps that they're afforded. And so I feel like it is definitely the responsibility of the university to extend just the common courtesy to acknowledge how they've managed to end up where they are. But of course, for, like you say, for Māori staff in those spaces, they do take on more of that responsibility because we know the journey that they've come along and the journey that they still have to go to. And I'm always kind of pushed forward by the idea also that the median Māori income is around $23,000 a year. I don't know how anybody's supposed to buy a house with that. Mm. But if you have a university degree, some type of degree, you automatically jump to $53,000 a year. Like that is an instant gain in terms of your socioeconomic stability for you and for your whānau. So I think not only do we carry as university, people working in the university, we don't just carry the obligation as Māori, but we carry all of that responsibility because we can identify with the, their learning journey and what they can potentially contribute to their immediate whānau, to their hapu, to their iwi, and to the communities that, that they go back to as well. So I guess the the responsibility is not just for one, ihara taku toi te taku, um, but we're in it for our collective well-being and for all of our mokapuna, because it's not just my mokapuna, it's not just your mokapuna, it is the mokapuna that um, that will end up in all Māori communities across the country, hopefully around the world. Kia So, hei kōrero, uh, whakamutunga pea, Rāwari, when Terina said, what do these kura do? What do these sites of success do? Can you give us a little matapihi, a little window into what could a kaupapa Māori do that creates such sites of success? We just love them. And we believe that every child arrives to this earth with knowing. If we accept the notion that, you know, the baskets of knowledge, the modi of, of knowledge was brought from the heavens and, and bestowed into the earth, then we are people of the earth, we are tangata whenua, then by that connection, the knowledge and understanding and the awareness is within us. And so what is the purpose of the of the kura? The purpose of one of the purposes of the kura is to create um, as many opportunities, situations, experiences as possible that helps Tomariki to discover where their own talents may lie. And um, and then identifying it, you know, experience um, is one, um, identifying it and then enhancing it is the other thing. And um, always encouraging Tomariki that um, they can do it, they might not get it right first, all, you know, um, but paikia um, to, you know, mate aha te mahi, mahi te mahi. Uh, you know, how do you know if you'll be able 
what may or may not be able to cross that stream unless you try. You know, so it's about using all of those, all of those uh, tidbits of knowledge that have been passed down over over thousands of years. Not just since we've been here in Aotearoa. That's one thing that we, I think, we forget is that we think about Mataranga Māori as sort of beginning when we got here, <laughs> and we forget that um, we have thousands. We draw on thousands of years of knowledge, which has been passed down and passed down and passed down. And um, so that's what we do, is to um, love the child unconditionally, help them to discover where their potential lies, to explore that, to magnify that, to give them other options so that when they're ready to take on the world, they're doing something that they're already interested in. And if that doesn't go uh, to plan, then they know that there are other things that they can do. So. You know, we're encouraging them to look um, broadly. And it's broad the ways that you teach as well, you know, that you see teaching in the environment and in, in the taiao and in, in our whakairo and the ways that we understand knowledge is different. And just, sorry, just quickly as the last question, because I know we're running out of time, but when now Te Reo Māori is pretty hot, in lots of spaces and people want to learn, but getting enough Te Reo Māori teachers is difficult, where should our focus be? Um, I think that our focus should actually be on on teachers understanding what their role is as a treaty partner. So whether or not you can speak Te Reo Māori, your intentions on fulfilling your responsibilities and obligations of Te Tiriti o Waitangi, the Treaty of Waitangi, that I feel like that should be number one because when we get to a point to understand what our role is as a good treaty partner, then all of the systems and institutions and processes that flow from it, of course, are going to benefit uh, Māori development, Māori education, and therefore Te Reo Māori. So, I feel like there should be a, a bigger focus on, on Te Tiriti o Waitangi and being a good treaty partner. And if this means that we establish an independent Kaupapa Māori Education Authority, if that's what being a good treaty partner looks like, then that's what being a good treaty partner looks like. If the devolving all power and authority to Māori is being a good treaty partner, then we should be devolving all power and authority to Māori. Um, so I think for me it comes back to that one step, you know, again, a little one step backwards. But also in our current environment, we need to acknowledge some of our key critical workers in appropriate ways. So whether they're teachers, whether they're nurses, whether they're firemen, these are all hot topics of the moment. We need to acknowledge the critical role that they play in, in keeping our communities safe, but also in growing what we hope would be awesome communities for our mukapuna. So acknowledge the mahi that they do. And I feel like if we do that, then um, some of the other stuff will just start to fall into place and take care of itself with good strategies, good intentions um, and good outcomes to fulfilling what all of our tūpuna dreamed about in 1840 or if they, in terms of Te or Waitangi, the aspirations of a better future for all of our tamariki. Just two things to add to that. One is is that we need to be um, 
growing our own and, and looking at our, our senior students now and those who expressing a thought about becoming a teacher. I think those, because that's where the, uh, the longevity of the, of the Kūrukabu um, Māori um, system will, will be self-perpetuating. But it's also to give people who are, who are native speakers already, who might have been doing something else for 20 or 30 years, and saying to them, hey, have you ever, ever thought about making a career change? Making it doable. Yeah? And it's you and your ngako and your reo that we want first. We can teach you how to become a teacher, but if you've already got a skill, if you've already got something that you can do, and I don't mean a skill that they may, have, may or may not have a qualification for. Mm. It's just something that they can do, a passion, um, then we should be um, looking to invite those people in as well and um, and looking at ways of um, giving them in-service training so that you've got the newbies coming up through the university system who we've already grown through and then you've got those who've already been out in the world for 10, 15, 20, 30 years maybe and who are who never thought for whatever reason that they could be a kayaku when in fact they're, they're probably some of the best potential kayaku around, you know, your uncles and your aunties, those ones who are, you know, tōtū, hāri, marae, <laughs> yeah, and you think, now, auntie, uncle, why did you never go and be a teacher, you know? And they, oh, you know, and they sort of fob it off, but um, there is there is room. There's room for all of those sorts of people in um, in education right now. And um, and if all what Tarina said and if these other things can be happening together, we can have a really diverse education workforce. Tēnā rawa As we talk about revitalisation, you've revitalised so many aspects of this corridor, partially by reframing our understanding of what education is, what it always has been in terms of mātauranga Māori and reimagining our future mm. for Aotearoa New Zealand. Nō reira, tēnei kāmehi. Kia korua tahi. Hei kōna rā. You've been listening to Conversations That Count, Ngā Kōrero Whaitake, brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Massey University. It was hosted by Stacey Morrison. It was produced by T.I. Butler, with content management by Rachel LaRue and series production by Jane Yee. Special thanks to our partnership's editorial team of Matthew McCauley and Elisa Rivera. Study online, on campus or both with Massey University. To find out more, visit massey.ac.nz. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.